0: We turn to number 494 in the Trinity Psalter, number 494. O Jesus, joy of loving hearts, thou fount of life, thou light of men, from fullest bliss that earth imparts, we turn unfilled to thee again. We're going to sing verses 1 and 2, and then verse 4 and 5. Verses 1 and 2, 4 and 5 of 494, let's stand together as we sing. This morning, God's word comes to us from the Gospel of John, John chapter 6. We're going to begin our reading at verse 35 of this chapter and then read just through verse 48. John 6 beginning at verse 35. What we hear now is God's word. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from the Father. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. And here we end the reading of God's holy word. We are continuing this morning our series in looking at the application of salvation in our lives. We've talked about the order in which uh, we see God working in the lives of his children. We talked first of all about effectual calling. Last time about regeneration, we saw that both of these are works of God. The effectual call from the Father, the regeneration by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now this morning, we are up to the third step in the order of salvation, the Ordo Salutis. And that step is the step of faith and repentance. Faith and repentance. As we have seen, there's a certain order uh, in the application of salvation. But when it comes to step three, there are these two component parts, faith and repentance. And here, there is no priority. These are like uh, two different sides of the same coin. Now, simply for preaching purposes, uh, this morning we're going to talk about faith, and next week we'll talk about repentance. But I don't want you to think about these two things as divided from each other. They they work together. Faith and repentance is the third step in the ordo salutis. We're going to focus this morning on the first part of that, on faith. Faith. That which was central to the Reformation. The battle cry, the just shall live by faith the truth rediscovered in scripture, that it is by faith alone that salvation comes. Faith which still is the mark of of a church that declares the truth of the gospel, a proper understanding of what faith is. This third step, faith and repentance, different from the previous two. Effectual calling was the work of God the Father, he calls. Regeneration, the work of God the Holy Spirit. But faith and repentance is something that we do. Yes, we know that our faith we receive as a gift from God, but it is our faith. We are called to exercise that faith. We are called to profess that faith. This is why I'm so thankful in God's providence uh, that this morning we talk about faith when we have profession of faith. What does it mean to profess that faith? What is the nature of faith? What's the significance of that faith? We look at these glorious truths this morning and we talk about uh, faith and its work in our lives. In Reformed churches, as I said, we make a big deal about the importance of faith. Uh, We are saved by faith. Uh, It's one of the marks of a a Reformed church. Uh, Is it it right for us to put so much emphasis on faith, to to celebrate professions of faith? Um, What is the warrant for making such a big deal about faith in the application of salvation? Well, we will see that the warrant to be concerned about faith, to properly understand faith, comes... From scripture itself when Jesus came to do his ministry and began his preaching ministry in Mark chapter uh, 1 verse 15 he came to uh, to inaugurate the kingdom of God and he said repent and believe in the gospel believe faith was part of that entrance into the kingdom of Jesus Christ Paul, in Romans chapter 10, says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Is faith important? Yes, faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. It's part of that application of God's salvation in our lives. In our own text this morning, verse 35. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus talking about the provisions of our life, not only our physical life, but our spiritual life. And it is for those who believe. The warrant for making such a big deal about faith, celebrating profession of faith, comes from Scripture scripture itself. Again, from our passage, verse 40, we read there, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Everyone who believes shall have eternal life. It is through faith that our real life begins The warrant to to make such a big deal about faith, to call people to faith, comes from the Word of God itself. Of course, like many truths in Scripture, we have to keep the balance correct. There's always a danger. There's a danger to think that since we make such a big deal about faith, we celebrate professions of faith, that it is our faith that saves us. And sometimes when we speak non-technically, we say that. We're saved by faith. I think I've even said that this morning already. But to speak clearly, to speak technically, and theology is a technical discipline, to speak technically, it is not our faith that saves. It is Christ that saves. And we begin to appreciate that through the instrument of faith. But the focus remains on Christ. Our faith is in Him. We are saved by Christ. We are not saved by faith. We, are, we begin to speak technically. We're saved through faith. It's the instrument God uses where, whereby we appreciate all that Christ has done for us. But the focus remains upon Him. And so this morning we celebrate the profession of faith of four young people, but we give praise to God for what Jesus Christ has done in their lives, fulfilling the promises made to them in their baptism. The focus is on Christ and His goodness to them, His goodness to their families, His goodness to our congregation. Because Christ has, has fulfilled His promise in bringing them to appreciate all that He has done for them. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest, he says. Rest for your souls. It is the object of our faith that we celebrate today. We celebrate Jesus Christ, his finished work. We celebrate his willingness to leave the glories of heaven and come down to earth and live among sinful men and women, boys and girls. We celebrate his willingness to go all the way to death, not just death by old age, but a painful death, a death on the cross. We celebrate His resurrection, that God would raise Him from the dead, vindicating what He had done. We celebrate His ascension, where He returns to the glories of heaven, the glory He had before, the creation of the world, and He sits there now and reigns over all creation. We celebrate Him, the object of our faith. Our faith is not in faith. We don't put our faith in faith as if my faith is so great and therefore therefore I'm saved. No, we we celebrate what God has done through Jesus Christ, what he has accomplished, his finished work. Jesus Christ is not a potential Savior. He's not a partial Savior. We have the absolute assurance of our salvation because of what He has done, and therefore we put our faith in Him. One of my favorite verses in Scripture, I know, they're all good, but one of my favorite verses in Scripture has to be John 6, 47. Jesus' words, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. He doesn't say, whoever believes may have eternal life. He doesn't say whoever believes will have eternal life. He says he who believes has. Right now, has eternal life because of the greatness of whom they believe. We believe in Jesus Christ. And his finished work, and therefore, for everyone who has that belief in that object of our faith, we have full assurance of our salvation. Whoever believes has right now eternal life. Well, what is the what is the nature of saving faith? We've talked a bit about its instrumental value. It's that way by which we appropriate all that Christ has done for us. What's the nature? Of saving faith. And classically uh, we talk about uh, three parts uh, of saving faith: Uh, notitia and essentia and fiducia. These are just fancy Latin words. They mean knowledge, assent, and trust. The three parts of, of faith are knowledge, assent, and trust. There is an intellectual component of saving faith. There is a knowledge of the facts of the faith. We have to know what it is we believe. And that's one of the reasons, children, that we come to church. So we can know more about the truth of Scripture, about who God is, about what He has done in His Son, Jesus Christ, we come to learn. We come to be instructed to grow in our knowledge. Knowledge is, uh, if I can put it this way, is the building block of faith. And I'm excited because about a month from now we're going to start our church education program again. And why is that important? Because knowledge is a building block of faith. It's it's that that knowledge, that intellectual understanding of who God is and what He has done for us. We we desire to have a well-informed faith. And so, as we anticipate the beginnings of Sunday school and catechism and Bible studies and all of these things, We don't do it just for the social aspect. There's a wonderful social aspect about it. But we do these things, and we might grow in our knowledge as a building block of our faith. And I I guess I would say this morning to parents, if you are concerned about your children, if you are concerned about their apprehension of the faith, If you're concerned about them, then one of the ways you can help them is to help in that knowledge building block, is to to make sure that they've done their catechism lesson, to make sure they've memorized the question and answer. Knowledge is part of the building block of our faith. We want to help our children in that. Jesus says in verse 45, it is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. We learn from the Father through his word, through the instruction given in the church, from the pulpit, in the Bible studies, in Sunday school, in catechism. We help our children. Bringing them up in the faith means means instructing them. Being taught from the Word of God. Faith entails knowledge, but more than that, it it entails an assent to that knowledge. I believe this is true. It's more than just head knowledge, a knowledge of the facts. Unbelievers can have a knowledge of the facts. Which is why in some colleges and universities you will find classes like studying the Bible as literature. And they will look at the scriptures and they will look at the structure of the poetry and analyze that much as an exegete would. They will look at the narratives and and look at how the stories are formed. And they will study it and they will know it. They will not even memorize it. But they don't believe it. It's only literature to them. True faith, saving faith, is more than knowledge. It's an assent to the truth of what is being taught. An unbeliever can define the doctrine of the Trinity, that God is one God who exists in three persons. But he doesn't believe it. An unbeliever can describe the nature of the virgin birth that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she conceived and had a son without the aid of a man. They can describe it, but they don't believe it. They may even be able to to describe the gospel that man is fallen in sin, unable to do anything to save himself, and God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to do what man could, could not do. But they don't believe it. True faith, saving faith, is assent. I believe these things are true. I believe Jesus Christ really did come from heaven, Son of God, came to earth, lived among us, died on the cross, rose again. I believe these things to be true. The assent, not just a a head knowledge, but an assent that, that these things are not simply stories from the past. They're not literature, but they are the truth of the Word of God, Assent, as part of true faith. And then the last part of true faith, fiducia. A personal apprehension that these things are true I believe they are true and they make a difference to me. A personal apprehension. I believe this truth. Not just that it could be true, but I believe it. And it affects me. Uh, Kids, I have uh, uh, a little bit of knowledge, not a lot. I have a little bit of knowledge about physics. Physics is the way that nature works. I've got a little bit of knowledge about that, about gravity and how things fall. And I know, I know intellectually that if a person decides to put a parachute on their back to get into an airplane, to fly up in the air, to open the door, and to jump out, and pull the ripcord, I know the laws of physics say they will float down to the ground. I know that. And, and I believe it to be true. In fact, I've seen it. I have a friend who does skydiving, and I have seen her uh, get into a plane with a parachute on her back, go up in the air, open the door, jump out, and come down safely to the ground. I, I believe it's true. But I don't have fiducia until I put the parachute on, open the door, and jump out. I believe it. I would bet my life on it. That's the nature of saving faith, a personal apprehension, an absolute confidence That not only is this true, but I understand its truth in my own life. Our Heidelberg Catechism, when it says, what is true faith? True faith is not only a knowledge and conviction. Everything God reveals in His Word is true. It is also a deep-rooted assurance created in me by the Spirit through the gospel that not only others, but I too have had my sins forgiven. I too had been made right with God. There's a, a, a personal embracing of the facts, of the truth of the facts, a personal relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is that that we had the privilege of witnessing this morning. As 4 stood up and said, I believe this is true for me. Profession of faith, not just knowledge. I've had them in catechism. They've got good knowledge. I've given them quizzes, I've given them tests. This was not not a ceremony to say you've graduated from catechism. That's not what profession of faith is. That's not a graduation ceremony. It's, It's a personal embrace of the truth that we've been told that we believe and that i say this is for me that's the beauty that's the glory of a saving faith i've told you last week and i think the sermon before that i can't instruct you in the effectual calling of god I can't call you to the effectual call. That's God's work. I said last week, I cannot call you to be regenerate. That's God's work. But I absolutely can and must call you to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, our faith is a gift from God, but it's a gift given to you to exercise, to embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. That's the call of the gospel again this morning. Not simply an intellectual understanding. I know the the, the facts of what's been said. Not even uh, an assent to the truth of what's been said. But I know this experientially. This is true in my life. Put your faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ and know know the glories of belonging to him and the assurance of belonging to him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Oh, may God work this morning through the effectual call of god the father applied by the holy spirit that we might respond in true and saving faith let's join together in prayer lord our god we do thank you for the glorious gift of salvation we thank you for the promises of salvation promises signified and sealed in the sacrament of holy baptism given to believers and to their children and you O god are not unfaithful to your promise but you continue to work those promises out in the life of your children lord god we thank you for saving faith given to us whereby we might embrace personally the truth of your word, the assurance that Jesus Christ is a sinner's savior. May that glorious truth, O God, assure us, strengthen us, comfort us, knowing that in that we have right now eternal life. Lord God, if there are those who do not have that assurance, who do not have that comfort, we pray that even this morning your spirit would work to regenerate hearts, to take hearts of stone and make them hearts of flesh, whereby they might embrace by faith the finished work of Jesus Christ. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.